Hey, I'm really excited about being here. I know some of you know who I am. Some of you are uh, new to me. Um, I apologize for who I am a little bit. Um, no, I, I tell people that I'm really cursed is that I really have a passion and desire for young people. Whether you're a teen or a college student, I think God has something special for each one of you that when you begin to embrace what God has for you and you begin to experience the walk that Christ has for you, it is pretty awesome um, to think about. I personally didn't start my walk with the Lord until I was like 29 when I really surrendered my life. And so one of the reasons that I feel like I have a strong passion for young people is I know what God's done with my life since I was 29. That's um, 32 years now of ministry uh, that God has used me in. And, and to see where I was when I started and to work God's having me do now is an incredible journey. But I wonder if I had another 15 years of saying, God, whatever you want from me, I wonder where I would be today, even with that 15 extra years. I mean, that's, that is a regret that I have in my life that I didn't start earlier, okay? So I want to start off with a question. Um, most of you, how many of you have a cell phone? Most everybody have a cell phone? Everybody have a cell phone? You raise your hand like proud, like I got a cell phone, okay? All right, all right. So now with this cell phone, how many of you use it for more than calling and texting? How many of you use it? Okay, whoa, look at all the hands go up. It's crazy, okay? Now, let me ask this question. Even though you use it more for calling than texting, how many of you know everything there is to know about your phone and how to use it in all the different aspects? <laughs> you were brave to raise your hand. I really want to say something there, but I'm not going to. Oh, well, maybe I will. You're a liar if you know everything that's going on on the phone, okay? <laughs> so... Um, but we don't know what all every. I mean, it's like there's so much on these things, right? And these things are really cheap too, right? I mean, you can get these like for what, 10 bucks? No, maybe uh, a month for 25 years or something like that. Um, they're not cheap. They come with a great cost, right? And yet we don't always even begin to tap in to what it has available. And think about this. How many of you people know and I'm going to talk about my generation a little bit here. How many people you know of the older generation that has a smartphone, but all they use it for is calling and texting? Right? Now, if there's anyone here in that generation, I don't mean to offend you in any way. Okay? But the idea is, is how, my point is this, how sad is it to have a phone with all the capabilities that a new smartphone has today, and you only use it for texting and calling? And how sad is it for Christians to have the Holy Spirit living within them and just do simple basics of Christianity? When you have the whole potential of God living within you. And that's a little bit about what I want to talk about today. Because it goes beyond that. Because, you know, many of you were fairly loud and proud about, you know, I got a cell phone. I use it for more than calling and texting. You're all raising your hands real high, okay? But suppose you raised your hand real high and said, yeah, I really use my phone a lot. And I came over and I said, could you show me a little bit about this phone? And you actually had no idea how to use it. How would that be? See, I think a lot of believers today fit in one of those two categories where they simply do just little basics, or they talk a really good game. And so my message today is really talking about you need to prove it. 
Turn to your neighbor and say, yep, you need to prove it. Can you prove that, bro? Okay. <laughs> And I need to new, and I need to prove how I can put one of these microphones on. <laughs> okay, so you do. You know what I mean by this is probably maybe a little different than what you're thinking, but I, I want to go into a, a verse of scripture that God has shown me. And as you're studying um, scripture, you'll find that a lot of times in a passage of scripture, isn't there like a key that just unlocks that whole passage? And sometimes isn't that key also something that kind of unlocks a whole lot of scripture? Okay. Well, I found one of those that really got my attention. And it, are you guys ready for this? These are some big words. You better turn to your neighbor and say, I hope I can understand these words. Okay. All right. All right. All right. So I'm hoping that because it's Montana Bible College, Ryan, that they should be able to understand these words. Okay. But all right. So you guys ready for this? All right. So in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 6, it says, therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk, in, so walk in him, rooted and build up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Now, here's the two words that I'm hoping that they understand, okay? As and so. Because these are the two key words to this verse. <laughs> these two words unlock this whole passage, this verse, and it unlocks a whole lot of Christianity. Now, what do I mean by that? Okay, well, let's take a look at this word as, okay? As you received. Now, I'm gonna be talking quickly about salvation, but I'm not gonna be talking about the process of it, of what you have to do to be saved, but what I'm gonna be talking about is the high level process that you have to go through in order to even want to be saved and understand it, okay? And that's what this little word, as you received, means, is basically it says, as equals the manner which you accepted or subjected yourself to. So the manner or the way that you subjected yourself to receive Christ Jesus the Lord, okay? Well, if this verse brings that out, we should probably look at what that <laughs> what that is, right? What is the manner or the way that you had to subject yourself to be saved? Well, I believe quickly that that phrase says Christ Jesus the Lord. And I think Christ Jesus Lord actually gives us great understanding as to what we need to subject ourselves or the manner that we had to look at, okay? First of all, you had to look at the idea of Christ who is the Messiah or the appointed one, okay? Or another way of looking at it is that who's the one that appointed the Messiah? It was God, right? So one of the things about Christ, in order to even be saved, we have to realize that we need to be what? Saved, that we are lost. Who's the one that's telling us that we're lost? God does, right? So the first kind of the high level priority of this as is that you've got to narrow your focus down to God's view. <coughs> to me, that's what Christ is all about. The idea of he's the appointed one by God, the Messiah, we have to narrow our view down to the point that we need a Savior. Will you get saved if you don't think you need a Savior? <laughs> right? Okay. Then the next part of it is Jesus. Now, Jesus is what? God's answer of how we can be saved. Another kind of the high-level part of this, okay, is that this is God's specific plan for our need of salvation. 
So you have to narrow your focus down to God's point of view saying, I need to be saved. And since I need to be saved, now I've got to look at God's plan for how I can be saved. These are principles, okay? Now, how many of you people out there think there's a lot of ways to get saved? How many ways does God say there is? And there is salvation in what? No one else, okay? So I want you to think about that. So this is high-level stuff that I'm talking about. In the manner that you received, narrowed your view down to God's view, narrowed your thoughts down on how to do it to God's way, his plan, okay? Then ultimately, Christ Jesus the Lord. Lord isn't just another kind of really simple word of who's in charge, <laughs> okay? So in order to be saved, you're acknowledging that his view is correct, his plan is correct, and you're subjecting yourself to it or you're submitting yourself to it. To me, that's the high-level picture of the as you received Christ Jesus the Lord. Of, yes, I'm a sinner. I realize I'm a sinner. I'm placing my faith and trust in Jesus to be my Savior, and I'm doing that because I believe God is the only authority that has the right for, to say how to do it. Right? Pretty simple. So, <laughs> that's the next word. <laughs> so, walk in Him. Now, what's interesting is that, like, as tells us that the way that you came to know Jesus as your Savior, narrowing your view down to God's view, narrowing your, view, your way of doing it to God's plan and submitting to that. Basically what Paul is saying is that's the same way you need to live your life in him. So so means, and this is kind of interesting. I'm not a Greek scholar, but it was kind of the way this phrase comes together, so walk in him, basically is that you're proving the reality of receiving him by continuing to live in that manner. That's kind of what that word sow and walk together brings out, is that this is how you receive Christ, and so kind of an evidence of that or a proof of that is that you now will live your life that way. Because my question to you is, is if you have to narrow yourself down to God's view, narrow your ways down to his plans, and you submit to his authority, what would be different about walking in him? Right? I mean, think about that. What would be different? Why would we want to do anything different in our life with him compared to the way we had to come to him? And so I want to go through those three things again and look at what that translates to in our lives, our daily lives, okay, in this idea of so walking in him based on those things. In Colossians, so... Well, I did break it down here. So Saul walking, you've got to get God's point of view, God's specific plan, and then submit to his authority. Now, there's a passage of Scripture in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, that I love as a, once again, kind of a corresponding passage to that Colossians 2, 6. It goes along with this. Is this, if then you have been raised in Christ. Well, it's just another way of saying that what? You've trusted Christ as your Savior. You've been given that new life. You saw God's point of view. He saw his plan, and you submitted to his authority. So you've been raised with Christ to new life, okay? The next part of it is seek the things that are above. And that word seek actually has a kind of a narrow definition to it, the idea that you have one desire slash purpose. The purpose that you're purposing in your heart or that one desire is what? To see things from God's point of view. Seek the things that are above, right? So now you can see in the with your life, on your daily life. Do you, 
day to day, have a purpose in your heart and your desire to see things from God's point of view. Obviously, what's the greatest way to do that is through what? Reading God's word, pray, have that relationship with him. But the reality is, is that do you day by day have that strong desire, purpose to see things from God's point of view? That's how you came to him. Why not live that way? The next part of the verse says, set your mind on the things that are above, not the things that are on earth. Now, you notice the phrase changes. It went from seek to what? To set. Set your mind. Now, seek is you've got to have that strong desire. But <laughs> what I love about set, it's almost like a physical activity so that it becomes muscle memory. Now, for those of you that have played sports, do you do certain exercises over and over and over so that you have muscle memory? There's a lot of different ways this plays out. I know when I was in high school, I played a lot of basketball. Uh, my, junior and senior, well, my junior summer, in between my junior and senior year, I actually set up a situation. I used to shoot 1,000 free throws a day. Guess what I still can do? I don't shoot 1,000 free throws, but I can still shoot a free throw. <laughs> Because the muscle memory's there. Doesn't take long to get back into it. So, once again, this ties into do you have such a desire and then do your actions each day form a muscle memory so that not only do you want to get God's point of view on things, but you want God's specific plan for you that day? Interesting, isn't it? Guess how soon we need to learn those principles as a believer in Jesus? <laughs> Quickly, soon. Then, when you look at this verse, it says um, <laughs> where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Um, when somebody is seated at the right hand of God, it's usually a representation of what? Authority, the one that's in control. So once again, Paul's reminding us that the seeking and the setting of our minds is really under the authority of who? <laughs> of Christ. Okay? So once again, when you put these things together, what I like about this is that as you, live, as, as you have received him, so walk in him, really is talking about each day, do you have a strong desire? Is it purposing in your heart to narrow how you see things down to God's point of view? <laughs> narrowing things down to wanting his plan so that it becomes like a muscle memory thing for you each day and then submitting to his authority as he shows you those things. Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, that's a pretty good formula for success in Christ. <laughs> All right? Okay. <laughs> So once again, I go back to this, as and so. This unlocks this whole passage, and I'm not, I don't have time to get into all that, but I wanted you to see this as and so. But one of the things, Mr. Chris, since you're standing there in the back, most of you know Mr. Chris, he's a um, graduate here of NBC. Some of you know him, some of you don't. But Mr. Chris, am I ever satisfied with just stating the facts about things, or do I normally have to ask another thing? What is it that I usually have to ask? 
question. Oh, you mean I ask a question? Okay, all right. So my question to you is this: Why is this so stinking important? I mean, why why would Paul say, "As you have received, so walk"? I mean, I could get into the rest of this verse, but I'm choosing to go outside of that right now. But one of the things I want you to think about is this, okay? I want to go back to that Colossians 3 at the end of the verse. It says, for you have what? You've died. And your life is to be what? Hidden in Christ. It is hidden in Christ. What we do is we kind of keep coming out from underneath the covering and say, hey, I'm over here. This is me. But guess how? Guess how the best way to stay hidden in Christ is? To narrow your view down to what? God's point of view. To narrow down the plans that you have to be God's plans and then to submit to his authority. If you do that, your life will be hidden in Christ. Now, why is it so important that our life be hidden in Christ? It's a nice thought, right? I mean, many of us, I should probably, let me just, let's clear up this thing. For how many of you here are appreciative that Christ died for you and you've trusted Jesus as your Savior and you have all eternity to thank for that? How many of you are appreciative of that? Okay, all right, just want to make sure we're on the same page here, okay? Isn't it great all that Christ did for us so we would want to honor him? We would want others to know about who he is. But here's the thing. It's more than just honoring Christ. It's more than just giving glory to him in the sense of, I'm happy with that simple part of it. Okay? Because in Philippians chapter 1, 21 through 24, Paul starts off and he says what? For me to live is Christ. I want my life to be hidden in Christ so that Christ is the one that's being seen. But Paul's what he's saying is, I want my life to be so active for Christ that people see this. Okay? He's saying some of the similar things, but he's actually saying there's actually more to it than just having your life hidden in Christ. It's to be active in Christ. And he goes on, and you guys are probably familiar with this passage, and and I love this because there are a whole other two or three messages I love out of this passage. Okay? But the idea is, is that Paul says, for me to live is Christ, and then he has a little bit of a struggle. Man, I really want to go and be with Jesus, because how many of you think Paul suffered a little bit in this lifetime? Anybody think he suffered a little bit? How many of you think that if he had the opportunity to go to heaven, he'd go, yes. (laughs) But if you read this passage, he says what? As long as God asked me to be here, that's, that's where I need to be. I'm more excited about it. It was a struggle for him, but he says, as long as I'm supposed to be here, my life's going to be fruitful, Ultimately, it comes down to, it says, um, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Speaking to the people that he was ministering to, the Philippians, and anyone else. Now, here's the heart and soul of what my message is, okay? Part of proving it is understanding that each and every one of you, as a believer in Jesus Christ, somehow, some way, under God's authority, he deems your life necessary in the lives of others. If you don't believe me there, you go to 1 Corinthians 12. It talks about members of the body. 
And he says, there are some members of the body that seem to be less honorable. But then he goes on to say that those people that we think are less honorable, we actually need to give more honor to because each member of the body is indispensable. And by the way, if you take time to look it up, that Greek word for indispensable and that word for necessary right there, same Greek word. So I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, you are necessary in my life. You are necessary in my life. <laughs> you know how I know that? You know how I know that? Because you're connected. You're connected. If you're, if you're connected to somebody, God is somehow saying your life is necessary in that person's life. You know, what's really interesting about that is you may come up with your own ideas of what necessary means. But once again, what do you got to do? <laughs> you got to narrow it down to God's point of view, God's plan, and you submit to his authority in those people's lives. This is what I think why it's so important to live a life as you have received, so walk in him. Because when you are narrowing what you're doing down to God's point of view and to his specific plan and you submit to his authority, do you think you're going to have fruitful labor in the lives of others? It's God's purpose and plan. I hope you get this idea that God deems you necessary. Okay? Really necessary? Really? Well, you really don't know me very well. I'm not very gifted. I'm scared to death to get up in front of people. Right, Ayla? Right, Jennifer? It's just little old me. I, I couldn't really be necessary in somebody's life. Well, first of all, I'm, I don't have a lot of confidence. I don't. How many excuses can we come up with? And every one of them is a lie. Because as a believer in Jesus Christ, who lives within you? The Holy Spirit. God lives within you. And what I look at, get my phone out here. What I look at is that you're basically saying, All I, I'm, a, I'm a smartphone, but I'm really only good for making a couple calls and a few texts. And yet God has created you a smartphone because you have the Holy Spirit living within you. And most of you, as Ayla told you, know that I work with CEF. And one of the reasons that we keep coming to uh, Montana Bible College and other things is because we are looking for interns to work with our ministry during the summer. Can I tell you something about one of the best ways to learn new things? I've had an iPhone all my life. Just recently, I went to a Google Pixel 3 phone. How many think there's some differences there? <laughs> okay. One, Mr. Chris has a Google Pixel 3. And Chris, did I ever ask you some questions about this phone? <laughs> a couple of them, okay? One of the great reasons why internships are so valuable is because you can come alongside somebody that's actually been in the ministry and done things. 
so that you can learn from them without trying to have to spend all that time figuring it out on your own? And what you might also discover is my phone does that? <laughs> wow! Man, that's going to save me a bunch of time, or that's really cool, or I can't wait to do that. Guess what else you discover when you get into internships at times? Wow, I really like that. Now, I think there's two types of internships, okay? I think there are narrow field internships where you have a great idea where God's leading you and you come alongside someone in that narrow, in kind of a narrow field. But then I think there's internships where, okay, there might be a general purpose for that, but you'll actually discover a variety of aspects. You'll come alongside in a variety of ways. See, to me, part of, part of discovering what your phone will do and using it to its full capabilities proves to me that you value your phone and what it's capable of doing. As a believer in Jesus Christ, someone that has placed their trust in Jesus as their Savior, to take the steps to discover how God has gifted you, to take the steps to understand more and more about how he wants to use you under his authority, not what you think. I used to be scared to death, Ryan. My first thing that God had me do was to substitute teach a Sunday school class with about 10 people in it. I fought it for a month because I was scared to death to get in front of somebody. I've spoken in front of groups of 1,000 people now, and I've emceed major events. I do all kinds of things in front of people now because I discovered that God wired me for that, and I love it. How many think I get a little excited about teaching and sharing God's word with y'all? It's because it's how God's wired me. But guess what? I didn't discover that until I got out and started doing some things. I believe as a Christian that if you're not taking steps of faith to discover more and more about what God has actually given you the capabilities to do and proving that you truly have believed in Jesus as your Savior. It's like having a smartphone and only using it for calling and texting. Pretty sad, isn't it? Now, I happen to have a young lady here um, I remember last year I came here and I did a little presentation and I actually had a couple of video clips of Jennifer. I'm going to share. I did a presentation then I was going to have her share some things. And the video played, but for some reason the sound didn't play. Um, so this year, Ryan, I thought I would actually bring Jennifer here so in case I wouldn't have to worry about that. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so I want to introduce Jennifer Fountain. So Jennifer, come on up here with me. Jennifer has actually, um, she went to Montana Wilderness School of the Bible and, and she's been an internship with it, um, intern with me for two years now. And because of a lot of different things, I just hired her this recently as a full-time staff member with CF of Montana. So give Jennifer a hand and I want her to share a little bit. So I want her to share a little bit with you about some of the experience, some of the things that she's learned being an intern. You got about two minutes. <laughs> it's on. Now it's on. Oh, oh, okay. Hi, I'm Jennifer Fountain. Um, I like he just said. I'm recently a staff member with Child Evangelism Fellowship. 
And you know, I was like not too long ago. I was where you guys were sitting, hearing Dave Howe come up to my college and talk about this amazing opportunity. And I was like, Yeah, right. You know, like I wasn't sure what to think about that because all these ministries were coming up and presenting to us at school. And I was like, I don't like. My flesh was telling me I don't want to do any of those ministries because I just want to go home. I just want to go ride my horse, spend time with my family, get a job. Whatever the excuse I could come up with, I was making it. And God, he didn't take that no for an answer because we had mission classes and every time they would talk about doing something for God while you had an opportunity to, this would come this ministry would come to my mind. And so God <laughs> over a process brought me here to do CEF Montana as an intern. And I had no idea what I was getting myself into, like absolutely none. And so during the next two summers I spent with CEF, I started off with like this huge fear of public speaking. Yeah, hi guys. <laughs> um, I had not, like I didn't have any confidence in talking with people about my faith. I didn't have confidence in teaching children. And over the summers, like CEF, they care enough to train you. They hold you accountable by having you do practicums in this rigorous training. But it's amazing because when you're done and you get to start working with the teenagers in our Christian Youth in Action program, you start to pour into their lives and you start to be able to help them make faith their own. And so as I as an intern, some of your responsibilities would be pouring into the teenagers during training and training them to do what you might be asking. And what CEF's their main summer ministry is doing a five-day club, which is like a high-octane VBS, but it's usually out in a park or uh, any other public setting. And we train these teenagers to put on this five-day club. And if you guys ever worked with teenagers, like getting them to do anything is pretty difficult. <laughs> <laughs> Especially having them take tests. They're like, no! And so it's really fun to mess with them and train them and build those relationships with them over the summers. And I had a huge heart for children's ministry. And I was like, yeah, I love working with kids. But CEF isn't just about working with kids. If I wanted to have joined this ministry, I don't think I would have discovered how much of a heart I have for working with teens and pouring into their lives. And I also discovered that I'm capable of communicating with pastors and helping work out the details of the five-day club. Because as an intern, you also have to make sure everything runs smoothly when you're out in the field. Because there's lots of details that go into these things, and you're in charge of that. And I'm like, I don't want to be in charge. <laughs> but they train you well, and they prepare you to go out there, and they're, they're supporting you as you take those steps. And so, to say the least, that... This ministry has really changed my life. It has really given me courage to even be standing here right now, even though I'm like shaking in my boots. <laughs> um, and uh, I really challenge you guys to be praying about this ministry, about whether God would have you be a part of this ministry. Because if you come at us with a closed mind and you're like just let your flesh answer right away, then you could be missing out on an amazing opportunity. So I just challenge you guys to be praying about it and. Just know that you guys are necessary. Thank you, guys. All right. So 
Um, we'll be here during lunch. If any of you have any questions about what we do and different, different details, we have flyers with us and so on. So I apologize for taking a couple extra minutes. I thought it said 44, not 49. So I'm getting old. My eyesight was bad. So uh, anyway, um, thank you for the opportunity to be here today and, and um, look forward to some of you maybe being part of our ministry next summer and, and going from there. But please ask questions and we'll be glad to answer them. Um, I can only tell you about what it's about. She can, these two right here, both Ayla and Jennifer, can tell you what it's actually about. Okay. All right. Thank you.